if, if we if we want to put don't be a nazi just at the top of the episode if you want to just like clip that and put it right at the top i think that's probably an okay thing to do um, done I... done editing adrian done <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself. Hello, one and all. My name is Patrick Perini, and I am the Dungeon Master for Unbalanced Encounters Rally, an actual play show that is a little bit of fun. Amazing. Not a lot of fun, just a little fun? Yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> I was told to, to give myself accolades, and my knee-jerk reaction in those instances is to feign an air of humility so that people like me, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I want to make sure that I don't alienate people right off the bat, so, you know, it's one of those things. No, 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 we're all about alienating immediately, 10 <laughs> seconds into this podcast. I am here to go viral for some stupid fucking bullshit, um, so yeah, no, 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 don't. I, I mean, we're you want to you want to talk about eight. alienating people? My team just did a TikTok uh, on the Unbalanced Encounters TikTok, outing me as someone who only owns one set of dice uh, and does not think that D and D players need to have. <laughs> I I agree I'm, with I'm Lou Wilson you, though, and so is Lou <laughs> Wilson. No, and I am so not, and Wilson. I don't know why my fucking TikTok was like, you know what? One, I've I've had. I swear to God, I'm sorry. This is a this is a. I yeah. was scrolling through TikTok like 35 minutes ago, <laughs> and I had four back to back on my For You page that said, you only need one set of dice. <laughs> Fuck off. I am a goblin, and I will choose as many sparkly pieces of plastic that I can possibly fit in a bag or in my mouth. Like, fuck you guys. All of you. Amazing. I mean, okay, listen, that's my philosophy, too. That's why when I get gifted them, I kind of just, like, begrudgingly say thank you. (laughs) I have to figure out, like, okay, which are the ones I bought for myself because I'm getting rid of those. Like, I can't can't shine away from a gift, but all my players already know this, so they better not get me freaking dice for Christmas. Adrian, I, I love I love this because as far as I can tell there are exactly three people in the world who feel this way. You, me, and Lou Wilson, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy when, to be when... on the wrong side of history here. Like, I... I just, I don't understand the maximalism. Maybe it's because I, I very rarely get a chance to actually play d and I'm almost always a DM, but um, I have just like a set of white goddamn Chessex dice, and that is what I use. <laughs> You're going to break Alex. Alex She's having a conniption right now. Yeah, hold on, no, let me see if I can grab. Yeah, they're right here. <laughs> they're literally... What's the fucking point of Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> if not for the accessories themselves? Uh, I mean, do you want my actual answer to that question? Because my actual answer to that question is, is, is twofold. Uh, one, background music. I am an absolute, absolute horror for a good background track. And the two, and I think I, I think most DMs will agree with me here, uh, is making my players throw their own dice across the room in anger at me. <laughs> so you make your players roll, is what oh, you're yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know you make them roll because that's the game, but you make them roll the things that they probably don't want happen to them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, the number of times that I send them into flashbacks to experience trauma per session is probably on average like 0.8, maybe maybe one. I might do it on average once per session. <laughs> once per person, once in total. Oh, per person, per person. Ooh. Everybody gets Ooh, one. Everybody gets one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun because they're always so mad at me and i'm just like i'm reading the backstory you gave me like i have your google doc open right now like it's beautiful i've been I think recently as a, doing as a DM, I would just start highlighting bullshit like as like oh i've got it open and then as like because i as a player would pull it also open and i would see where you are and like i would I would just want to know what you're doing behind the screen. Um, but the, as a DM, knowing that that's the kind of player I would, I would just start highlighting shit in different colors and like Ooh, making random that notes. That would fuck with me and just something. Torturing. Yeah. Years. Listen, add that extra layer of like, because <gasps> is this next? Now I'm. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's really good. Mm. I've been playing it too close to the chest. I gotta I gotta open it up a little bit. I gotta let them know the ways in which I'm I'm trying to try to mess with them. Yeah, once again just gaslight your fucking players. Let's go. <laughs> I mean looking at the editing history. Okay. He did this at twelve thirty in the morning. He did this at one in the afternoon. You you, you joke, but you know, it's there's a huge difference. I mean, there are probably tons of differences in 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 mm-hmm. in actual play versus home games. But one of them is that your games exist in like the public record forever, right? And so my players will go back and listen with an ear toward like what did he take out, right? Like what wasn't important and what did he intentionally leave in because that's gonna be something that's gonna bite me in the ass at some point right and so like i will uh, there there was one moment in uh an episode a few episodes back where i mentioned the color of just like a random npc in a flashback i mentioned the color of her eyes and my players won't stop talking about it off camera they are obsessed (laughs) with why i mentioned the, the the color of this npc's eyes and you know i'm gonna be honest with you like no spoilers you don't know whether or not I did that intentionally. I'm just saying Chekhov's gun is 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 a bit of a bitch, right? Like I like I'm I have to live by that rule now. So I guess that's where we are. Yeah, but listen, it could be a moment where you pull in like the Hunger Games and like the eyes of the other players or the eyes and the hounds that are chasing the people down. So like oh, a hundred percent. And that's something that I think is so fun about ttrpgs and sort of improvisational storytelling above and beyond just fiction writing you know is that like you can scatter all of these very almost inane little details into the world and because it's something that's like consumed in real time especially for home games you get to pick and choose which things matter later and if something comes back around where it's like oh i need eye color and this would be a cool tie-in you can grab that and out of the out of the box and be like i was planning this all along (laughs) yep 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 yep. and then nobody notices that you ignored 15 similar things that never came back into light (laughs) as long as you have one moment of brilliance that shines through you're golden yes Oh, start playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, whose line is it anyways? Like, scene from a hat. Just, like, start <laughs> writing down your player shit and just putting it in a hat and then, like, leaving that to the side. And then, like, when they're, like, ruminating on something, just, like, pull it out and be like, their eyes are green. Okay, cool. And, like, 
then just fuck with him that way. That's very good. That's very good. I like that a lot. Uh, when you do these uh, backstories, are these during the sessions? Is these one-on-one things to flesh out their... The, the information they gave you, yeah. how is this done? Yeah, so I was I was actually just going to mention, like, there's a process that I, I follow that when we started Unbouncing Counters, my players were actually really interested to hear was the process that I use at home games, you know, at my, at my private tables as well, because it's very player-centric in a way that I think a lot of home games don't always end up being, which is that my players came up with relatively robust backstories that they wrote themselves. I gave them thematic kind of concepts about the world. And I said, like, anything else that you think needs to be present for your character, like, you make it up. You figure out, like, the politics and the religions and whatever else needs to be attached. It's my job to weave those things together. And we had a couple of conversations off camera about that. But from there, it's really been on camera stuff. When we revisit, uh, or rather on mic stuff, when we revisit those flashbacks it's it's stuff that's happening on the show it's um i will take every opportunity that i can to pull in either like an emotional moment where they feel like oh this is a, a kind of a, a particular emotion that you might not be accustomed to feeling a sense of regret or a sense of doubt or a sense of elation that ties back to something that's happened in their memory and we'll jump back into that memory to reinforce that emotional moment i'll also use it to cover my ass in like wishy-washy bullshit ranger and paladin stuff like detect good and evil because in a world without alignment that i can't just like say like oh yeah these guys are red and these guys are green right like i have to get a little bit more nuanced about that so we'll jump back into like a story that your grandmother had told you or kind of an experience that that, that you had during basic training uh some memory that helps to color the nuances of what those things are mechanically doing. And nine times out of 10, I'm just pulling details out of the backstories that they wrote and like thematically tying them in to what they're experiencing in the present moment. And I find that that's such a powerful way to make the game feel like it's about the players, even if they're dealing with something that like on the surface is not really player driven right even if they're like on a job or they're trying to defeat some big bad evil guy that is not you know that they don't have a personal vendetta against it's just the thing that needs to be done diving into the character's backstory and tying into those moments of experiential history is a is, is a really good way to make the game feel like it's about i think that's very beautiful because i i've only recently like kind of come to enjoy that part i don't do that during the session and um i do this outside solo one-on-one that way i can i feel like i I don't feel like oh i have to come back to the party i have to come back to the party but the attachments to these sounds and emotions and things like that it's just very cool Uh, i think i've done that with one of my sessions way back when when i was playing curse of strahd when it was only just two players oh wow and i'm like well it it was like there was supposed to be more but no one showed up so i was like okay we're gonna just do some backstory stuff. Let's do something stuff outside of our realm. We're not gonna make any character sheets. We're just gonna roll some dice and highs and lows, and that's all we're gonna do. So we, so every time there's like this, like a splash of water from a wave, uh, transitioning back to the other players, uh, a splash of water from a tire hitting a puddle, and it was like this nice back and forth of them, their stories intertwining, and it was like one of the 
one of my best sessions That's because so I felt cool. like one since it was just two players. Yeah. It felt very personal, and it felt like I was paying attention to everything they had to say, mm -hmm. as well as them having to, because this was all straight improv, them having time to, to recuperate and figure out what did they want to do next, and then just kind of like back and forth. So I think doing that with you know their memories, those characters in that time to what they were before, mm -hmm. is just really great storytelling, because our senses are very important to what we do. To include that into this narrative will enhance that for yeah. the people listening. Yeah, and um, you know, it's a it's a it's a classic sort of piece of writer's advice to always take into account you know kind of as many of the senses as you can. You know, push beyond the five, right? Like, give us a sense of weight, give us a sense of gravitas, give us a sense of something's over your shoulder, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the more that you can put the spotlight on those moments and reinforce them use them as transitions, use them as memories. Uh, I think the more that you're going to anchor that in your audience's mind, which at a home game is your players, and that's, you know, that's perfect, right? Because it's going to make the game feel all about them. And in actual play and so forth, you know, it's your players and your audience, and, and it's just going to be that much more effective. Um, but I love the idea of just like a couple, you know, you've got a couple of people who showed up, uh, you know, for a session, how do you dive into their backstory and use those cool, you know, sort of visual transitions to bounce back and forth and, uh, and, and give them, like you said, time to recuperate is another thing that I think we often overlook as, as, as GMs, um, which is another reason why I love flashbacks and solo scenes is because it gives everybody else a time at the table to sit and to like process what's just happened to them and to think about what they want to do next and like take it all in, which is, you know, if you're, just going and going and going and going as a group that can get difficult to do because you're constantly trying to pay attention and think ahead at the same time. It's really taxing on players. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Shouldn't be overlooked. I think it's it, like, I also feel like that in my, my current um, campaign that I, I stream online. I, once we finished our arc, I was like, okay, I need a break. Yeah. So I let one of the other players DM for eight sessions just so that we can kind of like, one, I can just make sure go over my notes because like, I'm very off the cuff. So I'm like, I'm going to mess something up if I keep going and I keep bullshitting enough. <laughs> so I need to make sure I got my, my ducks in order. <laughs> so like, even in that moment, like right now, I'm not DMing for any games uh, for the next like, hope like next month. Mm -hmm. And then... I'm back to DMing two games in a row, and it's just, like, the pressure is off. I can relax. I can look at my notes, and I can just, like, tell the next part without having the stress of fe feeling like I'm going to mess up or yeah. I'm, I'm going to overthink or I'm going to get frustrated. 100%. Do y'all take notes post-game? Like, when it's all said and done, like, what does your aftercare as a DM look like? What a, what a good fucking question. Um, I, I think that the i mean so the first thing is like that I, I am constantly taking notes of everything everybody says all the time right and it is chaotic and it is messy and so i always you know in in like the long reaches in between games i'm taking a lot of time to organize that and use that to sort of plan forward and figure out where we're going next and anybody who's ever run you know sort of been in a game with me knows that i am like obsessively organized about my D&D games. I've got like a notion template that is legitimately like a, it's like a 700 entry database of everything that exists organized and split off. And there's like maps and mention networks and stuff. So I, I, I spent a lot of time keeping my shit organized, but, but 
for me, that's not really what kind of aftercare for a session it's it's necessary, but it's not sort of sufficient to be aftercare for a session. And we've actually just started really refocusing on this uh, as a as a as a crew on Unbalanced Encounters um, because it's something that, for whatever reason, none of us have ever really invested in either in our home games or in the show. And as of the last uh, couple sessions, I've started kind of leading some some simple roundtables where we just go around and uh, the two questions that we've been we've been answering that I think have been really beneficial have been. Um, what was one thing that happened in the game that someone else did that you really liked? And that's an opportunity for us to sort of go around and call out like, hey, I loved it when you did this specific thing. I love, you know, I, I, I got a compliment at one point for the way that I described Mike and Ids, which really upset people at the table. They were very unhappy with it and they enjoyed that quite a bit. But then the other thing, and I think the more important one, is what was something that you liked that you did? And that one... The first, like, two times we ran it, that one was so hard for everybody. Like, no one had an answer before 10 minutes of thought. And one or two of us had to, like, sit and think. And even after hearing good things other people said that they enjoyed about how we you know, showed up to the session, it was still hard to come up with something that we felt proud of, right? And the the one rule is, like, you don't, you know, we're going to stay here, we're going to sit here, we're going to support each other until we get to the point where everybody can say that something that they liked about others' performance and theirs. And, and it just changes the framework, where instead of walking away from the table thinking, what could I have done better? How could I have shown up better? How could I have been more on the ball? How could I have been funnier or more engaged or paid more attention or whatever? It refocuses on what us on, on kind of what we did well and reminds us, like, why, why, why are we doing this, right? Like, what did we enjoy about this space and that's such a staggeringly difficult mindset to shift into and i think it's 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 so helpful because then everybody leaves the table feeling like they did something really well and at the end of the day like of course right like if you had fun and if other people had fun clearly you did something really well that's the whole game uh but it's 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 tough to see it so forcing that has been really really valuable have you seen a change within like the gameplay itself and not just like afterwards but have you have you seen a change within the table and if you have like how has it affected your table it's interesting because i i think that the the table dynamic that we have, and we're super, super lucky, it's been very effortless, right? Like, we riff off of each other really, really well, and there's a lot of banter, there's a lot of fluidity, there's a lot of kind of dynamic engagement, and, been, you know, again, at the at the table, I'm really blessed to work with a number of people who are, you know, professional or quasi-professional performers, and they kind of know how to take that anxiety and sort of put it in the box a little bit. That is not the case for the vast majority of people, and so I think that one would see immediate kind of lift at, at, at their table. Uh, and I think that because what I've seen is lift in the way that people talk about how they're showing up for the game outside of the game, right? And so when I'll go around and I'll have conversations like, hey, what are you enjoying about the game? What do you want your character to do? Like, this big thing is coming up. How do you feel about that? And I do all of these things kind of sporadically as I'm planning so that I can think about like, oh, you know, how do I make sure that this character gets a moment to shine or this character gets their moment of humility? That's where I've noticed the change. Because there's a confidence that has shown up where it's like, 
no, I, I know that I can show up as this character and I know that I can trust my instincts and my skills here because it's working and people are telling me that it's working and I'm forced to think about how it's working and I'm having fun and other people are having fun and we're, we're being very, like, we're saying that out loud a lot, right? And, and in very specific ways. And that has been just extraordinary, right? Like, we, we, we have um, one player in particular who had come to me and said, like, I don't know where I want my character to go over, you know, sort of the next arc. And I'm having a bit of a crisis of confidence over it, right? Like, I'm just sort of fumbling around in the dark. And just after one or two of these sessions, uh, they've, you know, the, the conversations I've had with them have, have, have just changed dramatically, right? To, I know what I want, and I know how I want to get there, and I feel like I have my feet under me again, which has been phenomenal. And was this sessions with these questions in mind, or was this just like two games, two game sessions afterwards when this kind of confidence kind of came back up? Uh, so it was, uh, it was kind of in between sessions, you know, kind of recently. So in the last like week or so, it's been conversations before we recorded our next session after we've started this process of asking these questions. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Just in time to be completely asked all the questions you ever needed to be asked about it on a silly little podcast. <laughs> How was the um, the recruitment process? Were there already people in mind, or did you just kind no, of free for not at all? That was um, so that was that was a, a fun thing. And this is um, if you're recruiting for a home game, don't do this. It's not fucking necessary, right? Like, just find some people that you're excited about and start playing with them. The stakes are very low. Uh, but Emily and I, when we set when we set out to do this, we um, really wanted to build a table that was going to last. the The sort of creative vision for Unbalanced Encounters was really that Emily had never had an opportunity to participate in kind of a multi year campaign really wanted to and so we were like hey the big thing here is that we want staying power we don't want to have to change the cast we don't want to have to start over you know make changes sort of mid mid flight and so we had kind of a, a multi-stage interview process and that really grew out of the fact that way when when emily and i kind of went to tiktok and we said hey like we are putting together this show we want people who could you know potentially perform on it with us and and, and play in the game with us we had a little north of a hundred applicants that we were like, well, fuck, like now we need to figure out who these people are and whether or not we want to play DD with them and right. also whether or not they have decent microphones, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so it was a... It's a, good, it's a, it's a necessary requirement. <laughs> yeah, it, right, exactly. I was, I was literally having a conversation with somebody the other day where they, they were like, oh yeah, content creators all have really good audio quality, right? We could have any anyone who's like a content creator on TikTok, we could definitely have on the show. I was like, no, 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 no. That, no. We had we had people apply for the show who had hundreds of thousands of followers on, uh, followers on TikTok. And like, they were they were using their like Apple headset mic. Yeah, and it was yeah, like, yeah. that's not going to work for a podcast, my friend. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't it. <laughs> so we, we, we whittled, right? We had conversations, we had interviews, we figured out like, oh, like, you know, uh, here's realistically the time commitment. And some of the people are like, well, I just had a baby and I'm now in between jobs and that's probably not going to work for me. And it's like, yeah, that's, you know, unfortunately we had some people who might've been fun who just didn't quite work out because life is real. Right. And, and commitment to what is a very unprofitable venture at the outset is, is tricky. And so we whittled it down to, to, to sort of a core group. And the two things that we really paid attention to when making our final decision were 
how do we build the most diverse table that we can? And, you know, this was something that we wanted to always be paying attention to because it's really, really, really fucking easy to put together another D&D podcast with five white guys. Like, it's really easy to do that. Yep, yep. And so we made an effort to reach out specifically to people that, you know, kind of we knew in the space um, and, and say, like, hey, like, we want this to be a diverse table. Would you be interested in doing it? And then, you know, we'll have the conversations and we'll see if you're, you know, a good fit and so forth. And 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 it worked out really well. I mean, we, you know, we have two white guys on the podcast. Hooray! I guess there was no getting rid of me, so. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was something that we really, we really focused on. And it was done with kind of an interlinking focus on balance for the table and we asked people you know sort of how do you usually play DD? how do you like playing DD? are you more of the mom friend are you more of the chaos gremlin are you more of the puzzle solver and we tried to figure out a good balance across those things to let people get uh the experience that they wanted also the experience that they were good at um so a great example is that uh, uh cinder who's cinder block sally who's on the show told us i'm usually the kind of straight man in the party right i'm usually the one who has to keep everybody on track because i'm the one who knows the rules and i'm the one who's taking the story more, most seriously uh mostly for home games but that was you know sort of where he was at and he said i want to be the the one who throws a wrench into things i want to be the the, the the oddball in the group i want to see if i can be sort of the injection of chaos and that's ultimately a big part of you know sort of how we bounce the table and, and eventually found guard for him where it was like you know you're gonna play this this robot this magical ceramic robot in a low magic campaign right and that process was you know kind of was, again it was all just about figuring out that balance that interplay um and we were super lucky that the right answer just kind of fell out and uh the the right people were were waiting in that stack of a hundred applications did you go through every single application oh my god it took us two months we went through every <laughs> single application we read every single application. We had, I think, about a quarter of them. We asked about a quarter of them to um, uh, to do a little 30-second audition clip for us, and we listened to all of those multiple times. We then parred that down to about a dozen like phone interviews, each of which were an hour. It took us two months of basically full-time work to get this team together it was like i said if you're putting together a home game don't do this it's not necessary i swear it's not what was okay so i know i have a lot of people in and around my space like who want to get into doing maybe podcasting or voice acting or something yeah. in this realm of things what is your automatic no like if you see it in an application you see it you're like you know what this is not the space for me or for you. Not Ooh, for you. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. There were there, I think there was exactly one person who applied and there was nothing in the application, but we did ask people for like their preferred social media, right? Like if you've got a TikTok or a Twitter, like kind of where, where are you visible online? Um, and we pulled it up and it was uh, like super dog whistly, right? Like very like, gaming should be anti-woke kind of rhetoric and we just went no content with that person right away a real a real gamer, a real gamer. Using the gamer words <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the kyles of the fucking oh tiktok i'm not actually convinced that their name 
wasn't Kyle, but my memory might also be failing me. <laughs> I cannot um, confirm nor deny I can neither that confirm fact. nor deny that a Kyle was involved. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's an automatic no, right? Like, it, it, uh, you know, it's the paradox of tolerance. Like, Nazis, fuck off. This is not a space for you. I don't want you on the show. I don't want you listening to the show. I don't want you on our Discord. I don't want you following our TikTok. Like, this is not a safe space for you. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But that was, we were fortunate enough, that was a very, you know, we've been pretty self-selected from the drop. So as it turns out, when you tell all Nazis to, to fuck off, most of them don't show up in your applications to be on your podcast. If uh, only they great. did that in real life. I know. <laughs> the problem is, is that they don't get hit hard enough uh, in real life. But the more nuanced one, I think, is people who people who don't necessarily take it as seriously as they should for kind of the sense of entitlement that they have and that's a that's a weird needle to thread but basically what it boils down to is um we had again not a ton probably one or two people who have moderately substantial tiktok followings or instagram followings uh in the ttrpg space they have they're fun people they've built up an air of like i you know i'm a, i'm i'm a fun content creator joy to be around kind of a vibe um, and that's great. That's that's phenomenal. But then, you know, we say, hey, this is this is going to be an actual play podcast. It's going to be a pretty highly produced actual play podcast. Like, we'd like you to do a little 30 second, you know, kind of a, a audition for us. And then they they don't read the prompt and they don't improv into the space. They either ignore an explicit instruction or there's a tremendous amount of HVAC in the background that they're just you know like or sirens or something that they could have waited a few seconds to to record over you know those sorts of things where it was like there's there's an expectation that they, that their popularity will kind of carry them into the quality of their work as opposed to having to substantiate the quality of their work and again that's not like a personal failing i don't want to like moralize about that act it's just like that isn't what that's not the energy we want to build, right? The energy that we want to build is like, we want to make some fucking quirky art with this thing, right? And we want that to be the space that we're creating and the space that we're, we're showing up in. And we want it to be good. We want it to, to, to reflect like the pride that we have in what we're doing. And so that was, those were really easy decisions for us. And it came from surprising places. I mean, it was a, the, the handful of people that showed up in that way. We didn't, we weren't expecting them to show up in that way because they were enthusiastic and, and, um, uh, and it just it just caught us off guard. So the too long didn't read about it. Don't be a Nazi. Yeah, a good first point. Very Listen. low bar. If, if we if we want to put "Don't be a Nazi" just at the top of the episode, if you want to just like clip <laughs> that and put it right at the top, I think that's probably an okay thing to do. <laughs> um, done. I've... Done. Editing Adrian. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two, listen to the prompt. Maybe read. I don't know. Sounds crazy. Three, care and consideration for whatever you're doing, right? Like, just yeah. a, a moment of thinking about your space, your ambiance. I think those are three good things. Just don't be a Nazi. Yep. Listen to what they're asking from you. And then uh, think about what you're doing. A little bit more than I'm just going to slap this on the internet. And like, that's, that's most stuff in my book, right? Like if you're doing those three things, you're probably someone that I have like an undying amount of respect for. <laughs> like, it's all it takes. I agree. I Listen, this is a life, this is a lifestyle podcast on top of a TTRPG. 
And uh, I think those three life skills will get you very far, farther than you, farther than you would imagine. It's, it's about it's about the fundamentals. It's about you gotta you gotta <laughs> whenever when you, whenever you're a doubt, go back to the fundamentals. You gotta ask yourself: <laughs> Am I being a Nazi? I need this flowchart, please. <laughs> I need the flowchart. Like step right. one: Are you being a Nazi? <laughs> yes. Straight to hell. Straight to hell. <laughs> Do not pass go. No soup. Oh, no, I'm not being a Nazi. Okay. Are you following directions? No. Straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Don't mind me opening up my Canva, right? Fucking yeah, right. I was going to say. Figma. <laughs> We're going to do a little flow chart here. I'm going to slap that on a fucking mug. <laughs> <laughs> We'll split the profits right. of it. Like, yeah. it'll be fine. It'll be, oh, a cl- yeah. oh, it'll be a collab. That's what it is. Yes. Yes. The collab. We love, we love a collab. That we've, we didn't know we were going to do, but we're doing it now. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Improv, Adrian. I walked into the space. I heard what was going on and said, you know what? I can adapt to this. Yes. I was like, yes, I too dislike the Nazis party. <laughs> and it's just not good for me. Oh, how did you get into the TTRPG space? <sighs> what a... I, I feel like I have had that specific conversation with so many people in the last couple of years. And one of the coolest things about this space is that I genuinely don't think I've heard the same answer twice. And, you know, I, I come from a bit of a different background. I had a, a, a 10-year career in in sort of high-tech, Silicon Valley stuff uh, before kind of moving into into a more creative space. And, and it was the exact opposite. Everybody there, almost the exact same fucking path, right? And it's so cool to be in a space. I just, like... I, I, I want to take a moment and just like appreciate being in a space where everybody finds their own way in and yet it is still the welcoming and enthusiastic and fun and creative space that it like it's I don't know that's great for me anyway that's not the answer to your fun question um, I, no, I love the intro you're, <laughs> you're great um, so I uh, attempted to get into the TTRPG space when I was in like fucking high school. And I had a couple of people around me who were really into 3.5 in a very crunchy way, right? Like dungeon crawls. Let's figure out how many complicated rules from esoteric source books I can pull together in order to break the DM's plan. Uh, Very DMV player kind of experiences. And, you know, I mean, it was like fucking guys in high school drinking monster at two in the morning playing D&D 3.5 it was not good it was not fun it was a mess it was what we had but it was a mess and so I fell out of it uh you know kind of coming into into uh into college and so forth and I've always been interested in theater and improv and I had some some classical improv training up to and through college and uh you know and and, and theater training and so forth and and so I've always been kind of adjacent to that sort of thing but again fell out of TTRPGs until Probably 2019, I was sitting at a cafe with a friend of mine who, for the longest time, had been trying to get me to listen to The Adventure Zone. And I'm one of those rare people who live in their wrong opinions. Uh, I do not like my brother, my brother, and me. I do not like car boys or whatever it was. 
I, I'm not a big fan of their broader content. Nothing against the McElroys. They seem great. It's just not my thing. And I did not like Taz Balance. Uh, I bounced off of the first couple of episodes about five times, and this buddy of mine was trying to get me into it. And uh, it, it turns out we were sitting at a cafe in San Francisco, and it turns out that he was also from the same part of the world that I was. We grew up in a, in a you know, about 10 miles away from each other, which is, we, we both grew up about 20 miles away from the Monongahela National Forest. And if you know anything about Taz Amnesty, it's set in the Monongahela National Forest uh, in West Virginia, which is a very real place. It's absolutely fucking gorgeous. It's uh, West Virginia's beautiful country. Problematic politics, beautiful country. And hey, we, we, we can understand that, right? Texas. Fellow Texan. Hello, Alex. <laughs> and fucking, this place is a fucking dumpster fire. I can't wait to get another frozen thing. Just kidding. I'm sorry, Alex. You can come visit me <laughs> and, and be at my house. Why did you, listen, I was fine. And then I saw on one of my social media posts that like, hey, we're expecting freezing temperatures. Don't oh, be no. scared. Just be prepared. Fuck oh, you. no. Oh, no. I think that y'all should find Ted Cruz and use him to start a fire big enough to heat the whole state. <laughs> he is full of bullshit. Ted Cruz <laughs> yeah. at Six Flags Over Texas. I have a <laughs> selfie of me, like, yeah. with him in the background. Yeah. I'm lucky I'm not in jail. Yeah, I mean, we're all lucky within, you're not in jail, frankly. <laughs> I was in touching... I was in touching distance, maybe spitting distance if I was like lucky, but I've never, I don't know how to spit because like, sure, I grew up like a girl. Because <laughs> my papa raised me right. Ted Cruz <laughs> is the only person you'd ever want to spit on. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was wild because this man had like all these people surrounding him that weren't just white, and I was like, I don't know how you look at this man. You're like, I'm going to protect him with my life because he definitely agrees with the same things that like protect me. You're like, okay, this is fine. But like, anyways, Ted Cruz I mean, can. As, as much as I don't have like a personal beef with the U S secret service, they're cops. Like they're going to protect who pays them. That's what they're for. I think I've got the, the police are basically an occupying mug. army mug sitting behind me somewhere. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so he he's like just it's not D&D it's a it's a part of the apocalypse game called monster of the week and it's it's set in the Monongahela National Forest just listen to it and you know listen to an episode or two if you don't like it I'll shut up about it forever right I shotgunned that season in like three days and cried at the fate of Ned Chicane. To this day, like, one of my dreams is still to, like, send... I don't know what it's going to be yet, but when I do something sufficiently impressive, I'm sending it to uh, to Clint McElroy and thanking him for his performance as Ned Chicane because it changed my life. And, like, in the aftermath of that, uh, like, several things happened. I taught myself how to compose music because Griffin McElroy is an amazing composer. And I wanted to be able to do that for my games. And I started playing TTRPGs again. And it started out with, you know, reaching out to a buddy of mine who had DM'd, uh, who was DMing 5e at the time and saying, hey, do you want to play a game? I'd be interested. I'll help you pull together players. And, you know, he did. And, and then I kind of, I got that itch that a lot of DMs get where it's like, okay, we've been doing this for a year. And like, I, I could do this, right? Like, I know, I know I could do this. 
Um, And so 2020 rolls around and the pandemic hits and everybody's scrambling for something to do while they're stuck inside, preferably something they could do online. And uh, I offered to run a game for uh, some family and, and some friends. And we ran that game weekly missing i i think we only missed one session in 18 months and it w- and and you know we sort of right after the vaccines rolled out we did a whole big finale where we all met up in a single city and we did like three days of a finale little arc it was you know just constantly playing the playing D and oh, it was extraordinary yeah. right and that kicked off like a reconnection to creativity that i had set aside for sort of my my, my tech career for a really long time and I picked up, like I said, I picked up composing. It's amateurish as hell, but it's fun. And I do a little bit of it. Occasionally it sneaks into Rally and it's cute. And and a little bit more seriously, I picked up, obviously, uh, or I picked up um, writing. I actually wrote two novels uh, in 2020 and 2021 that were all kind of inspired by that D&D game and DMing, where I've run, you know, kind of a number of games since then, a couple of streamed one shots, and uh, and now we're, we're doing Unbalanced Encounters. And so, like... It, like legitimately in no small part this one moment in this cafe where a friend of mine was like hey might, this has got west west virginia vibes you might enjoy this silly little actual play podcast that isn't even dd changed the course of my life it, it, it let me reprioritize things and it let me sort of rethink how i was engaging with creativity and how i wanted to show up in the world and make other people feel and those are the kinds of questions you want to ask yourself if you're dming right it's it's not just about sort of what stories you want to tell it's about how you want to show up to the table and how you want to make your players feel and what sort of uh experiences you want to help facilitate for them and yeah i mean it's a long fucking answer but i think it's uh it's been one of the most incredible uh, you know, kind of changes and unexpected changes in my life. But that's even applied to like the broader life that D and D tends to be intertwined with of, yeah. you know, how are you not only showing up to the table, but how are you showing up for your life? Because you're correct. Like creativity is fundamental in any, I guess, in my opinion, my hot take fucking fight me. Creativity has to be somewhere in your life. Yeah. Right. It. It. I want to meet very... the person who's going to fight you on that and fight them <laughs> with you for you will, alongside listen, you and everybody else. Like, fuck I'll that guy. I'll show up with my posse. They can show up with their posse, and like, that's that's how we'll do it. I did have a whole argument with a fifth grader this week about why creativity is nice. so important. I know. Listen, that's all I got. I got fifth graders fighting. I got. I mean, and that's what what a fifth grader is want to do, so... Right, right, right. Sitting there and telling me, like, creativity is... What what do they need creativity for? And I was like, put your phone down then. You don't get... Take off TikTok. Take off Instagram. Like, take it all off. They were like, what do you mean, miss? Uh, Also, I'm so confused. Do you not think TikTok is an inherently creative medium? I mean, I know the algorithm is a constraint, but, like, have you been on TikTok? (laughs) Like... I told him to never do another dance again. I told him to stop dancing. Like, there's no creativity. (laughs) I really put the foot loose down. (laughs) (laughs) I did, but I think that's important Uh, to remember, right? Like, you may not acknowledge the creativity that that actually goes on in your life. And if you're not, like, take a step back and, like, check yourself. Yeah. But if you're feeling unfulfilled, that's a great way to start. Like, if you're lost in the woods and you're like what the fuck is my next step find some sort of creativity outlet it doesn't have to be good you don't have to be good at anything you do ever no i mean that's a myth 
that's that's like the idea that you have to be quote unquote good is capitalism trying to get you to not do anything at all so you just consume like that's what that fucking is you you do not have to be quote unquote good at anything do anything what i would recommend which i mentioned a bit ago is take pride in what you do right care about what you do if it's not fun for you or fulfilling for you or you don't like the 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 work that you're able to produce invest in it and get better or find something else but like you don't have to be good everybody sucks at most of what they do and it's part of what life is and that's beautiful yeah that's speaking to me at a spiritual level dude are you you okay do you you unpack it yeah what do you need to unpack it or you got some feelings going on no what the fuck no i don't have time for that we haven't had adrian therapy time in a minute oh my god that'd be a good section for the podcast frankly just like that now we transition into therapizing with adrian I mean, yes. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this before, about, like, me wanting to re-edit things because it wasn't perfect. And you're like, no, you just need to keep moving. You need to keep editing the next thing. You know, you can't make things perfect just because you learned the new skill. You need to be the one that just keeps making, okay? And even if it's kind of, you know, not up to par sometimes, and sometimes the audio kind of gets all rough and tough, and sometimes you have to decide to cut out whole sections because your audio is not there. Yeah. And you're like, it's okay. It was just a, 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 a tandem. It's fine. And that's what I had to do. You know, it, it's 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 tough for me because when I when it's not perfect, I get very frustrated. I walk yeah. away from the project. I, I like, I'm not gonna get mad at this. I'm not gonna get mad at this. I like, just jump in my jump on this bed or just go downstairs. Just, just walk away, and I'm just I come back to it. And I'm like. Fine. We'll keep going. Yep. <laughs> yep. I would also like to point out it's very interesting that you say that because I took on the project of going back through and transcribing all of our old episodes, which, um, uh, <laughs> first of all, yeah. uh, the uh, personal attack that you threw out, Patrick, of people using their iPhone <laughs> as their microphone, like, you, that was, that was me. Okay? <laughs> like, that was me. Then I got my hand-me-down, and I love it. But, one, I remember a period of being like, ah, we're just doing a podcast, like, it's no big deal. But sometimes, like, those things Mm -hmm. are still really good, and they're really not that bad when you go back and look at them. Like, we're two years out from our first episode. Two years out from our first episode? And, um... What? Are we on? Are we two? August 21st, 2020. It's and like it's two and a half, right? Yeah, almost, <gasps> almost, almost two and a half, two and right, two so and like, five months. Yeah, taking away and understanding that like we were new at this whole thing. Fuck yeah, it's really not that bad. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's really not that. Like I'm far enough away that I'm like, ah, oh, we could have done better, but like it's too far away to go fix. And I gotta, I gotta, I because you're you're absolutely right. I gotta draw the distinction between I'm using the headset mic because it's what i have and i need to make art and that is the tool that i have to make art and i'm using the headset mic because i couldn't be bothered to reach five feet to grab the better mic right and i think when i was mentioning the the headset mic it was entirely just like there's an element of i'm i'm knocking this out very very quickly because i'm not prioritizing it i'm not taking a lot of pride in it right that is insanely different and people it's a great illustration because people think that if they don't have the better tool they can't take pride in what they do and that's fucking nonsense right if all you have 
is the headset mic or a pencil and a piece of scrap printer paper or whatever it is, the art that you make is going to be meaningful because at the very least, it's going to be a step on a journey, right? At the most, it might just be meaningful in and of itself. The stuff you say into a headset mic might be great stuff if you're taking pride in what you have to say. It's not going to sound the cleanest or the most professional, but you don't owe that to anybody, right? Like the people who are going to resonate with what you have to say are going to find it and it's going to resonate with them regardless of the audio quality and i'm adrian i'm the same goddamn way i will obsess <laughs> i will obsess i learned what a compressor is and everybody lost me for like a month like i will obsess but you got to do it anyway because the act of the art being seen the act of it resonating with somebody else the act of doing it for yourself and calling it done and then taking that next step forward are all so much more meaningful than getting something to be like commercially sufficiently polished because in the end that's a ball that you're going to be chasing forever that's always going to be getting better the mic that i'm talking on right now you know is it i mean don't get me wrong i've invested since we started the podcast it's a couple hundred dollar mic it's very nice i'm very glad i'm able to do that it probably would have been about two grand when i did my first episode of my first podcast back in 2007 like Things are just going to get higher quality over time. That's what things do. And so waiting until you're ready to do that or feeling like you can't take pride in it because it's not commercially you know, sufficiently polished, it's, it's, it's absolutely nonsense. It's all about doing the thing that is fulfilling to you with what you have. I'm going to snaps all day for that. I'm going to snap <laughs> all day. Going to get some snap fully. We got to... Okay, wild uh, tangent uh, for the wildness of the children. I had a child today just yeah. come up and was just like, just tapping all of my shit in the ASMR way. And I was like, that is too much for me. I'm in the real world right now. Do not just. <laughs> just tap. Are they like making eye contact too? <laughs> no, of course they are. Do you? Oh, I'm just God. like. Miss, do you need some ASMR? I don't need ASMR right now. No, I don't. That's incredible. The internet. I'm going to just divert this entire conversation, everything Bo Burnham has ever said out loud in his <laughs> life. The internet and fifth graders, man. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> oh, my God. They're wild. They're they're nuts. They're, they're so much fun. Um, that, sounds, that sounds like a well-intentioned but surreal experience. <laughs> I love all of my kids. Just, like, you look stressed. Yeah. You want me to de-stress behind the noise of other yelling fifth graders <laughs> in the background? <laughs> uh, it's called compartmentalization, Adrian. If a fifth grader could do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're so, they're wild. Going back to it's step number... It's just you and me teach. It's just you and me teach. <laughs> I do, I, uh, I do have kids that will tell me to go drink water if I look like I'm stressed out, because I tell them That's to good. go drink water when I'm they're yeah. stressed out, so... It's this whole balance of like, go, like, I thought it was just wild that I had teachers just like, tell kids to go get water whenever something was happening. But I'm telling you, that's the only thing I will do. I will tell them to first go get water if they need to go to the nurse or if they're like having a moment. I'm like, just like, go grab water. And I didn't ever think I was going to be this teacher, but. I tell everybody, anybody, any, I, Ms. He's, I don't just go grab water. Like I'm, mm-mm. Come back to me when you're hydrated. Right. So now I also have to drink water because the youth 
I mean, they're not wrong. You're not wrong either. <laughs> no, we're all here. We're all just thirsty uh, cacti. Uh, legitimately, I'll do that in games. When somebody throws me like an absolute fucking curveball, I will just, I will stop what I'm doing and I will refocus on water until I feel like I have something to say. And then I will come back to the session. Like, just it's it important. Just it's it important. Up. It's a good and and it's a good sort of ritualistic resetting. It's good advice. I'm not perfect. I mean, I had some grounding. But yeah, going back to the second thing I've learned after listening to the first episode for three hours, uh, transcribing. <laughs> yeah. My personal, and I don't. I'm sure this is. This doesn't resonate with anybody. It's 100% just me. Mm. My okay. self-talk or like the things that I'm doing, I'm so negative all the time. I just, I undercut everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Everything. Maybe we should just do what Patrick does and just like, you have to say one thing good <laughs> that you did at this podcast. Oh, no. I feel like. Funnily enough, that's a that's a theme because I did the exact same thing on the intro, undercutting to create a false sense of humility. Like it's it's what we do, right? It's a defense mechanism. If we undercut ourselves, then it won't hurt as much if and when somebody undercuts us. And, and what we forget is they almost never do. And if they do, they're probably not doing it from a place of trying to make you better at what you're trying to get better at. They're probably doing it to make themselves feel better about themselves. And you don't need any part of that, right? So, like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's it's active practice. It's active practice. And it's, you know, it's, it's true at the table. It's true off the table. I know that, like, I'll be having anxiety attacks. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Emily and I are dating. We've been dating since before the podcast. Like, that's part of this. It's been like a couple's project from day one. And, uh, you know, I'll be having an anxiety attack. And we'll be talking. And something that I've noticed that she'll consistently do is she'll ask me, like, to start thinking about something positive about myself or like my environment or something. It's fucking hard. It's really it hard to do when you're anxious or defensive or upset. You just go blank and you don't want there to be anything good about yourself mm -hmm. or your work or the situation. You want to have a goddamn meltdown. And, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you got to push through it. And, um, I'm super curious, like, it, you know, you said that you've, you listened through, you noticed it, like, have you done anything to, like, try to work on not undercutting yourself? Or is it, or are you just, like, aware of it and leaning in real hard now? Um, I know with talking with Adrian, because Adrian, as much as I'm sure he doesn't feel like a, a spot of positivity in the world sometimes... Adrian constantly and see we're about to go do it again right this this yeah. carousel of self-doubt and pity Adrian will call me out when I start to do it I don't think he knows he does it but he does it and it's it, I it it works for me because it's never in a antagonistic or right. in something that is like hard for me to handle right so like I I have neurodivergence right so like that reject rejection sensitivity is like yeah. super big. So Adrian in this podcast and especially like starting here is really good at that, like balancing that out. And like, I've slowly started to see 
the gears change and not like digging my feet in and being like, well, it's just a silly little podcast because it's, it, it's not like we, we've grown um, and like an online family. And like, I know that there are people now, if I were to like, be like, Hey, yeah, just whatever. There are people now in the world that I've never met in real life. But if I were like, Hey, we're in the same (laughs) thing. Can we go do a thing together? I don't think the answer would be no. And that's, a strange place to be when, you know, when we started this program or we started this, this whole thing. Like, yeah. It's a total program. Make me feel so good. Yeah. This is all to help you. Alex. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. Secret agendas. <laughs> You're on your last step. Good, good job. I'm okay. on my I step, 12, for you. step 12. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I spent a lot of time thinking in this world, I'm all by myself. Um, and like, nobody understands me and, and all of this, like I am isolating myself from any sort of positivity that could come my way. Mm -hmm. So I knew for me, it was super deep rooted and doing a project like this and being creative and then like finding ways to step out of my own way is hard. It's hard. Not going to lie. So yes, I feel like there has been change. No, I don't think it's super consistent. I still think there's a lot of places to grow, but it's also very interesting to like hear that in your own voice and like recognize that change. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy powerful actually. Like that's, that's, that's a really cool thing to be able to look at and be able to think about. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's what I use for individuals with depression because like, it's hard to get to that point. Like when you said like the anxiety attack, you, you can't even think the positive things. Yeah. It's because you don't have those, those pathways when you're in that situation mm-hmm. to think that way. Mm-hmm. You're too busy in this, this, this very, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but these experiences that happen every now and then it's hard to break out of those. So in order, you know, what I tell my patients when I was uh, working in social work, it was just like, you have to be more positive about yourself Mm-hmm. on a more day-to-day thing because right now even if i ask you while you're not having a pad zack while you're not being depressed name something good about yourself it's gonna be hard yeah i might be able to do it but it's gonna take some it's gonna take some teeth pulling for sure right so you know we have to be able to kind of keep on this kind of battle of thinking more positively in order for us to stop self-doubting ourselves yeah. to be able to kind of access those things when we're in trouble I mean, listen, uh, from my own experience, you know, it doesn't mean it's like 100% sure shot you got this, but it's still a, a, a tool that can be accessed later in order for you to be able to attempt. Yeah. And if it's not there, well, that means like the way that you're feeling now, I mean, would have been much worse if you didn't have tried to practice, you know? Yeah. You're still working towards that goal of being able to access that tool. Um, and that means you just have to keep thinking these positive things because there are positive things about us. It's just hard to see it when we're just, we've, we've kind of grown up in a, in some sort of way because like, you know, the, the people that I work with aren't just young kids. They're older adults sure. that just don't have that, like, oh, I can think positively about myself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the social construct that kind of sucks ass (laughs) and then we have to kind of work on dismantling what we think as a you know 
to be more socially aware, to be able to break down those things that society tells us, this is the way you're supposed to think, this is the way you're supposed to be, in order to better yourself, to keep yeah. moving forward. And to tie it back into something that we had uh, been talking about, I think that something that I love about the TTRPG space is that it's such an unfiltered place for human storytelling where mm -hmm. every other, you know, kind of modality of storytelling is very curated, very edited, very commercialized, you know, obviously television and novels and anything where there's an editorial process, you're going to get a version of a story that is what someone thinks will sell. And the TTRPG space isn't that. And I think that, that in, a, in a funny sort of way, it's a far more natural, organic, fundamentally human way of telling stories, which is we're telling our own stories and they're influenced by our lives and the lives of the people around us. And like silly little stories that we make up in our heads because we are these bizarre ape-like creatures that can <laughs> forecast into imaginary futures and, and trans-dimensional travel. And I, and I think that that's such a, that's such a freeing exercise to see these narratives that are non-traditional, right? And and even in the more commercialized spaces of like, certainly Dimension 20 does an extraordinary job of representing things like mental illness, disability, you know, sort of crisis of faith in, in extraordinarily profound ways. But like, even in the less intentional spaces, I, like I, I think Taz Balance sucked, right? I think Taz Balance sucked. I've listened to it three times. <laughs> and I think Taz Balance sucked in ways that I have learned were me being really judgmental because I was expecting a very commercialized experience and a very kind of one right way narrative. And Taz mm -hmm. Balance, whether or not you find it flawed or, or how, you know, kind of whatever you think about it, it was a very raw experience for them. It was, you know, it was a very like, we are a family sitting around a table trying to learn how to play a game and trying to tell a fun story doing it. And the ways in which that was rough and just often weird and quirky and non-consequential, you know, kind of, it was one of very many opportunities that I've had since getting into the TTRPG space to examine my preconceived notions about like what is good and what is bad and how do I view myself through the lens of what is good and what is bad lenses that were handed to me, not ones that I have like built myself out of real experiences and self-care and self-love. I just finished that like two days ago. Finished season. <laughs> hey! I got through it. It was at some points, just like we, you were saying, Patrick, like, yeah, it does feel really weird. And it does feel like, what's the point of me listening to this? Where are my profound moments in human history to, to look at, but listening to the, end right where yeah. you're going through all of the characters we've met you're like oh okay like it still brought something different to the creative space it yeah it doesn't have to ever be perfect you can still listen to boys with their dad at the table like <laughs> having fun with their dad yeah whereas i but yeah i ended up i still ended up crying like it's it's interesting i, think I probably did too <laughs> it's Listen, the older I get, the less there's no filter in the crying. The crying will just right. happen. I could I could hear a sentimental note in the wind and like the tearing. So <laughs> uh, I don't know what I was getting. I, there was a point to that and I lost it because uh, the dogs were barking. Well, 
what whatever the point was, I agree. <laughs> and I also think that you would uh, have a lot of fun at the Unbalanced Encounters table because, oh boy, when I kick on the sentimental music <laughs> to my players, just like, oh, oh. Lord. Listen, I'm open to another podcast at this moment, so uh, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Sam Oliver is is uh, is one of our players. She is uh, fairly new. This is actually only the second D&D game she's ever played in. And she came to me and she said in slightly more words, hey, fuck me up, right? Like, I want, I want this to ruin me. Uh, and she's far and away the biggest softie we have at the table. And she brought, like, missing mother, dead father, like, raised by her, you know, sort of father's best friend, who's one of the players who's, like, present but not super capable and so there's a lot of like just like incompetent parenting there and when i kick back to a flashback between her and her father or her and her mother she will just start crying like it is amazing <laughs> frankly Ooh, that's good pod <laughs> it's, it's, it's good audio it's good audio gaslight your players make right. your players cry right fuck them up my goal by the end of the show is to make uh, Cinder cry. And, and uh, if you haven't listened to the show, um, so first of all, Cinder is, you know, kind of, he's the one who has probably the most D&D experience, played in a lot of games, considers himself to be relatively impervious to, you know, kind of the DM tricks because he's used a bunch of them himself. Uh, and um, is playing a quasi-emotionless robot character. And so if I can make Cinder cry by the end of the show... I will have done something. I will have done something. <laughs> Get your little award ready and just exactly present Reply. it like as soon as it happens. Just <laughs> I present this to on myself. Your desk. I get to buy this for me when I get mixed. You just like slam it as soon exactly. as Cinder starts crying. <laughs> oh man, that would be really gratifying. <laughs> that would be really gratifying. <laughs> Listen, I feel like I could talk to you, like, all day, Patrick. Um, but we are past the hour mark. <laughs> Start wrapping this up. I have a bunch of questions. I definitely would love to have you back on if cool. you have time. Yeah, absolutely. This was an absolute blast. You guys are great. Uh, I mean, I knew that was going to be the case coming in. But, like, good to have it corroborated, I guess. With with evidence. We, we have evidence. the evidence. We are, <laughs> as, as Brennan Lee Mulligan says, we are data-driven on this show. <laughs> <laughs> stupid interview where can they find you yeah um so i am uh pc perini p-e-r-i-n-i underscore on tiktok uh that's pretty much the only place that i live these days outside of uh the unbalanced encounters podcast which you can find at unbalancedencounters.com uh we have a discord we have a patreon uh we have a tiktok where we do things like give you behind the scenes content and talk and and actually uh, Adrian I think that's kind of where you and I connected was uh was in the in the rally discord we hang out with you know a bunch of the people who um are sort of in our community and uh it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's an absolute blast it's a gem of a group of people and uh our podcast is like I said it's 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 a medium good podcast so if you're into medium good podcasts uh i would highly recommend it no i mean honestly like just to for fuck's sake unbalanced encounters is great it's one of the, the things that i am the most proud of in earnest that i've ever done uh we are absolutely you know everyone who's on the show is absolutely in love with it we have 
amazing editing, great soundscapes. A lot of our music is composed by one of our members of our uh, community, Sarah Roberts. It's our theme song is, you know, kind of a custom piece that just blows my mind every time I hear it. It's heartfelt. It's fun. It's got big Ghibli vibes. If you're into that kind of thing, it is worth a listen, I think in a, in a way that is very special. So uh, if you are at all interested in that unbalancedencounters.com. You see, me and Alex both literally like, medium good. You better fucking hide <laughs> you better. yourself up. You better. 4.9 on to... Spotify, bitch. Oh, fuck. That's very good, actually. It's been a long time since I've looked at that. Um, yeah. hey, that's my word. <laughs> I try not to. I try not to be data driven because it stresses me the fuck out. It's like, are people listening? Aren't people? Uh, they're listening enough. My my motto on this pod is as long as I'm having fun, exactly, I'll be good. Hell yeah! Just All masturbation right, on on the internet. It's <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I don't know why you keep me around. I was about to hit the stop recording, though. Like I was still I'm got really glad. To do. I'm really glad you didn't. I'm really glad you didn't. Do you remember when I was like, every time Adrian talks to me, he's going to be like, "I just need a new co-host." And at this point, <laughs> I no longer feel like that. I'm pretty stuck. You're a staple, dude. At this point, <laughs> you can't you're get a out. staple. You can't, can't get out. I can't undo this. Laughs and chaotic. This, this knot you have around this podcast, literally. Like, the people that come on, they're like, oh my god, I can't wait to meet Alex. And I'm like, I'm fucking right here. I'm talking to you right now. Whatever. <laughs> you go, go talk to Alex. It's, you know man. why? It's because I don't make Amazing. myself accessible to people. Uh, I go, I teach the children, and then I come home and I hide hot in my commodity. hobbit hole. And then, like, every once in a while, I just, like, throw a gem. And then I'm like, back. You are the De Beers of social interaction, oh, apparently. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no. It's not on purpose. It's not because I do watch. I'm there. I'm just creeping. I'm like, I'm like God in the in the Peak clouds, just like peak lurker. God is a lurker. I think is is a good uh, a good takeaway message from that. That's that's her post credit scene. Then we'll talk about a post credit <laughs> scene. But I I just anyways. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us on another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. Uh, you can continue to join Adrian and Al- uh, Adrian and Alex in all of their antics. <laughs> and I'm Alex. It's me. Uh, you can join us on all social medias at Dungeon N Degrees. There is no S on that gen- dungeon. Listen, the social medias all had to be linked up. There's no S. So fight me. If you can't get enough of us and you do want to support a small podcast um, so we can continue getting our creativity on and maybe look at this as you know an end of end of whatever i don't know like get us out of our jobs adrian's unemployed get him paid um you can help us (laughs) just kidding weird attack but okay uh you can also help us out on patreon at patreon.com backslash dungeon and the letter n degrees you can help us Send some love and positivity out in the world, bro. Also, if, you know, you don't have money, if that's fine. Listen, I don't either. That's why we have the Patreon. <laughs> Adrian, if you want to cut all of this, I am so not mad about anything. Don't, don't refer to me right now. Keep going. You're making me cut more. Or leave it in. I don't know. <laughs> editing Adrian has to deal with it in like a month or Thank two. Thank you, Editing Adrian. I hope you had a wonderful day. And the Sunday scaries are not getting to you because what is life?
uh, you can share our podcast on all streaming platforms. Give us five stars wherever you can rate us. Don't give a podcast less than five stars because it's really not that bad. Like, give them five stars and then never listen to it again. That, that's fine. That's it. Fine. As a podcaster, yes, do do that, right? Like, it costs you nothing. And, like, come on. Listen to one on. episode. What's next? Are you, you going to not stars. tip at a restaurant? Come on. If you don't tip at a restaurant, like, literally, literally, you are a Nazi. Straight to hell. Yikes. <laughs> Straight That's where we're it's going get on the, the flowchart. Traffic. It's going on the flowchart. It's going on the flowchart. <laughs> Did you tip? No. Nope. Straight to the. I'm writing it Nazi. Down. Straight to hell. Oh shit. Was that it? Was that everything? Uh, I listen. If it's not, then I don't know why they've made it this far. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. I'm this really far. happy. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. My name's Adrian. I'm Alex. And I'm Patrick. Go have some fun. Bye.